0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, where you can meet like-minded people fighting for a new vision of aging. Find out more at carp.ca.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. A secret financial settlement more than 70 years after researchers harvested the cells of a poor black woman without her knowledge or consent. What ethical issues does the Henrietta Lacks case raise for us today? And... It's called A Third Act, How to Embrace a Completely Different Career After an All-Encompassing High-Stress Job. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. New research shows alcohol-related deaths in the United States have increased in both men and women from 1999 to 2020, but the rate of increase in women has surpassed that of men. And researchers say binge drinking has lost its social stigma among women and the effects of overindulgence are beginning to show in the rising number of hospital visits. Women's average rate of alcohol-related deaths has increased almost 15% since 2018 compared with almost 13% for men.
2: I was born July 10th, 1922. I've been practicing medicine for 75 plus years now. To me, retirement is the enemy of longevity.
1: He's the world's oldest practicing doctor. Howard Tucker is a remarkable centenarian who recently celebrated his 101st birthday while continuing his full-time work as a neurologist. Dr. Tucker practices in various hospitals and clinics across Cleveland and has been happily married to his wife, a psychiatrist, for 66 years. Together, they've raised four children and have 10 grandchildren. He attributes his longevity to his passion for his work, meaningful relationships, and a balanced lifestyle. He emphasizes Moderation, regular exercise, and abstaining from smoking as critical elements to his well-being. And there's even a crowdfunding campaign to complete a documentary on the incredible 101-year-old. Being in possession of small amounts of cannabis is on its way to becoming legal in Germany after the country's cabinet approved a plan to begin decriminalizing the drug. The country has approved a landmark bill to liberalize cannabis use and sale. People will also be allowed to grow up to three plants to curb the black market and protect consumers against contaminated products and reduce drug-related crime. The change gives Germany some of the most liberal cannabis laws in Europe. Canada legalized marijuana in 2018. And it's a playground for the ultra-rich. Amazon founder Jeff Bezos is paying $68 million for property on the man-made island known as Billionaire Bunker. The estate is on an exclusive man-made barrier island in Miami. The 59-year-old is buying a three-bedroom waterfront home that sits on 1.1 hectares. He'll be neighbors with some other ultra-wealthy people, including former NFL quarterback Tom Brady, as well as Ivanka Trump, and her husband, Jared Kushner. I'm Libby Neimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Her cells allowed researchers to develop vaccines for polio and the coronavirus and treatments for diseases including cancer, Parkinson's, and the flu. But they were taken from Henrietta Lacks, a poor black mother of five, who was dying of cervical cancer in 1951 without her knowledge or consent. Her descendants recently reached a settlement with a biotech company they accused of profiting from her cell line. But it raises the question, do we own our own genes and DNA? I reached medical ethicist Dr. Carrie Bowman.
3: When we look back to, to the story of Henrietta Lacks, I mean, you, you've got an African-American woman, um, you know, with five very young children, the age of 30 years old, in the year 1951, who died of a very aggressive cervical cancer. And, you know, there was absolutely no form of consent. And that is what uh, has occurred, you know, in those days. So what do we have now?
1: The other thing that was extremely unusual at the time, they were the first cells that continued to multiply and grow outside the body, and that's why they were able to be used, and they were also sold uh, to labs all over the world for a long time.
3: Those cells were named HeLa, L A. Now, that is her name is Henrietta Lacks, and that's a derivative of her name, and that name exists to this day. Um, so, those cells went on to, to be used in a lot of research, and look, a lot of the research was tremendously beneficial in terms of Parkinson's, in terms of some of the, you know, tougher forms of cancer. I'm not suggesting for a moment there's no benefits here. There's huge. But the ethical question is, is who really owns this, and how do we deal with consent? The sales. anyone listening know who can see that there's huge implications there as well. Who does the profit go to?
1: What ethical issues are raised and what has been resolved? So, first of all, at this point in time, do we own our cells and our DNA and our genes?
3: We don't. Uh, we don't. The way it's dealt with these days is is when we interface with the healthcare system, which many of us do, um, and more likely if, if if people are facing some serious illnesses. Very often there will be forms in which they will ask that genetic material uh, be maintained for the purpose of research. With informed consent in Canada, we, we are considered to have a right to know what the research is about, how long genetic information will be stored, and how it will be used. When it comes to biobanking, as opposed to the, the example you just gave, treating our own our own conditions and our own cancers, um, I'm talking about the big picture now. We can't actually tell people how long it's going to be stored and how it's going to be used because we don't
1: know. If we don't even own our genes, then uh, it's pretty clear that we don't have a share of any uh, new treatments that come out or any profits from new treatments but the Lax family for seventy years maintained that they do or they did.
3: They did, but remembering in nineteen fifty one there was no sort of sneaky consent form saying we're gonna own it. There was nothing of that nature whatsoever. So that may be what's driving some of that. Um, you know, and how many people even notice that on those consent forms? And remember, Libby, things like twenty-three and me, that's genetic information too right and that even with that with many of the companies when you sign on to that there's an element of consent for research as well as we have just discussed so much of us say you know i want to find my my cousin in poland and go for a beer with him some distant cousin i never knew existed look i think that's fun and i think it's wonderful but you also have to think through what you're really consenting to when this genetic information is, 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 is brought forward and who's going to own it over time. And, you know, these things tend to be buried on page who knows what in the back of a form.
1: Dr. Carrie Bowman, thanks so much. Thank you, Libby. That was medical ethicist Dr. Carrie Bowman. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review coming up. Can we find happiness embracing a totally different vocation rather than retiring?
0: You're listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review, brought to you by CARP, offering members-only discounts that can save you thousands of dollars a year. Find out more at carp.ca.
1: most zoomers it's a choice between retiring or continuing to work at a slower pace or volunteering but what about taking up something entirely different i spoke with barber's apprentice brad ross the former chief spokesman for the city of toronto i was uh,
2: doing communications in the public service for almost 40 years i um, you know, as you noted, headed up the, headed up communications at the city of Toronto. Before that, I headed up communications at TTC. And, um, at, uh, about a year ago, um, I started to think about what I wanted to do for, you know, my act three, as they say, right? What is, you know, as I turn 60 this year, um, do I want to do something else? Do I want to slow down a bit? Um, do I need to look after my health some more? And and the answer to all those questions was, was yes. So, um, I uh, decided to take early retirement at the end of, of last year and, um, and, and through all of that you know, sort of thinking and decision-making, um, barbering was something I'd always had an interest in, just a personal interest, men's grooming and the like, and decided to, uh, become a barber. And so now I'm an apprentice barber.
1: What did that have to do, what was your health crisis, and how did that play into things? So a year ago,
2: I didn't have a health crisis. I just was worried that if I continued on the trajectory I was I was headed toward, I may have one, you know, just the, the stress of, and demands of, of, of the job, um, which I did love, but they were stressful and demanding. And so at the end of February of this year, however, I did have a heart attack. I had a very serious heart attack. Um, uh, I'd been, you know, I'd been retired for about two months at that point, and I hadn't started my second career yet. Uh, and I, I had a heart attack Libby. Uh, and at um, you know, whether it was, you know, lifestyle over the years, um, genetics, the job I had hard to say what exactly uh caused you know what what the root cause of the heart attack was but i had a heart attack uh what they call a widow maker and um you know thanks to the uh heroic efforts frankly of uh royal victoria hospital in barry because we had relocated uh up to oro medante just outside of barry uh, a couple of years ago uh i was uh i was in hospital got a stent, an emergency, uh, you know, uh, a procedure that put a stent in, in the artery, uh, opened up that blood flow.
1: And um, as a result, I'm alive today. Did it change your take on life and what was important and all that? You know, I, uh, I, I'm going to have to be honest with you and say not really
2: in terms of, you know, I had to reevaluate things, uh, from, you know, and have a sort of a, uh, a come to Jesus moment or anything like that. No, I didn't. Um, but you know, what I, what I did come to realize, uh, is that, uh, if you look after your health, uh, when you're younger and it's hard to tell young people this, but if you do that, you're going to be okay later, probably. I didn't do a whole lot of exercising, Libby. I used to smoke. I didn't eat great. Um, I don't smoke anymore. I exercise every day. I'm eating uh, far better. Um, I've lost weight. Um, I feel good. And what I, you know, I guess what I did come to realize is that just how how close I came uh, to, uh, to to dying at at, at, at the age of fifty nine.
1: It does seem like a very uh... Big turn and, and a very different thing, but you're saying the barbering is something you've always been interested in.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, when I told people what I was going to start doing next, what my second career was, there's was always a bit of a, a, a double take and how to you know what's that connection and uh yeah you know libby it's a lot of people in my business they they leave government or what have you and they you know they hang up a shingle right and they start their own sort of a uh, little business or consultancy um but barbering was something that i you know i would never i've never tried it before but it was something i'd always had a personal interest in, in men's grooming and hair and style and fashion and those kinds of things. And, uh, and the, you know, the, the, just the, uh, the act of, of cutting hair and just that whole process seemed very relaxing um, and almost zen-like in a way. Um, not to mention, you know, the atmosphere of a barbershop and chit-chatting with the customers and, and with, you know, your fellow employees and everything. Um, that's everything that I thought it would be. It's uh, I really, really enjoy it. I am learning. There's lots to learn. I'm uh, going to be going to school one day a week starting in September at Georgian College as part of an apprenticeship program. Um, so there's lots to learn. Um, but I am cutting hair on my own, uh, slowly but surely, um, and uh, uh, not doing a too bad a job, if I do say so myself, and really enjoying it. And at the end of the day, when I'm done, um, I'm not getting a call, and uh, you know, at, at eleven o'clock at night or two o'clock in the morning with some kind of an emergency or something uh, that uh, that certainly a little bit of pomade couldn't fix.
1: Huh. And uh, any advice you have for people who are considering. Something like that, which is, you know, a 360 degree turn from what they're doing. Absolutely. My advice is if you're able
2: to, you know, to to follow a dream, you're never too old that I am proof of that. Um, Look after your health and, uh, you know, things will look after themselves from there. Brad Ross, thanks so much. Libby.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate your inquiry. Okay. bye bye. Bye. That was apprentice barber Brad Ross. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer
0: worldwide. Zoomer Weekend Review is produced by Zeev Huddy, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer Justin Eacock. Executive producer Moses Snymer.